Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Hello again, it's Crew Call here on the Motor Racing Network, taking you into the garage area and talking to the men and women who make the race cars go around the racetrack. We are having a ball and a very, very special edition here today. I'm Steve Post, Pit Road Reporter for Motor Racing Network. Todd Gordon, 25-time and championship-winning crew chief. And Todd, today, we are going to go throwback as well. Everything is throwback this week. We're going to talk to 2012 NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Inman. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this one. It's a, uh, you know, he's he's iconic, right? Huh. Iconic. He might eight, he eight, might undervalue the word iconic. <laughs> you yes. know, I mean, it's like, yeah. eight time Cup champion crew chief. That's yep. uh, that's that's impressive. To yes, me. it is. And not only the seven with Richard, but uh, he threw one in there with Terry Labonte in 1984 uh, yeah. as well. Be good to talk to him about that. What what a wealth of knowledge I've got an opportunity at Legacy Motor Club to. Yeah. Uh, to be around him and uh, and and just to experience a little bit more of Dale than just the the firm handshake you get and uh, just he's so in tune still in tune with the cars and what's yeah. going on he and Richard both uh, it is is gonna be a great little interview gonna be a great interview that is for sure speaking of great Kansas did not disappoint oh. this weekend oh My it didn't gosh um, we had it all I mean we we had great racing on the racetrack a little drama at the last lap a little drama after the last lap uh pit strategy tire strategy tire management guys with tires without tires Todd crew chief race car driver race fan radio guy this one had something for everybody yeah it was it was it was great it was great and, you know we we talked about this race last year being run up the wall and Kurt Busch won this race because he could get off the wall. It looked like all those crew chiefs pay attention. Yeah. We had race cars everywhere. I don't feel like we ever saw the cars married to the wall like we've seen in the past. You know, some would get there, one or two of them, but um, had racing all over the racetrack. You know, a great, la- I mean, a great. Yeah. Battle at the end. Oh my, the, ba- the battle at the end. And I don't, I'm, that's racing guys. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to tell you my opinion. That's just racing. I don't, Denny, my opinion, I, I feel pretty strongly about this. Denny was trying to pull the, mm-hmm. the Kyle Larson back. He was trying to stack air on him. He tried it a couple laps earlier, he didn't did. get him far enough back, so he knew he had to do it aggressively. Kyle kind of rubbed the wall, came off. That's a racing deal right yep. there. But, uh, I mean, for us on the radio oh, side, gosh, yeah. that was a gr- I mean, yeah. there wasn't a lack of any yeah. time. Yeah. It yeah. was racing all day Dave, long. Dave Moody, Mike Bagley, Alex, and Jeff, man, they had their tongues hanging out after this one because it was a lot of a lot of things to talk about. I couldn't find sure. a place to put a word in. I didn't <laughs> want to interrupt the great race that <laughs> no, was going that's on. It. That's it. A lot of times we have races, we go a little real quick behind the scenes here. Like a Talladega race is very turn friendly. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like yes. we don't have much going on on pit road. Usually we get to these intermediate tracks. There's a lot of ways for a pit road to interject, especially a track like this that's worn out with tire strategy. I didn't want to interject. It's like, yeah, man, the racing this is racing is so good um you know it was just phenomenal i want to touch on a couple of people real quick uh a couple of stories we've been just kind of just tracking along the way when i look at denny hamlin chris gabart of course they get the win we have talked so much about the speed of this race car todd and the lack of execution over the course of a race they executed on sunday look what happened they did 
They did. They definitely put it all together. And the one kind of little bit of a faux pas they had on pit road, Denny owned it. Yeah. Denny drove in, slid the, locked the front tires, slid the nose close to the wall. Jackman couldn't get the jack on the left side, had to double pump it. Uh, but Denny, as critical as he's been of his pit crew and, and their performance yeah. and their execution, he came on the radio. They went from first to sixth, I think, that, that cycle. Yeah. And he said, guys, that's on me. And I, I own it. I apologize for it and, and stepped up. And they, they put a solid day together. They weren't lightning fast, but that's not what they needed to do. Yeah. They put together 10-second pit stops all day long outside of that one that Denny put them in a little tight spot. That's what they needed to do. Chris Gapart had a great race car. I feel like made a really good call on taking tires, taking stickers there at the last time. Right. We, he took stickers with 58 to go. We'd had eight cautions in the last 100 laps. Yeah, you're and right. it was his last set of stickers. That's putting them out. That's putting them out there. Yeah. I think, I think Martin Truex could have raced with him. James Small played the other side of it. And I like that within an organization. He put his scuffs on, kept a set of stickers. If we had a caution anywhere from like 15 laps later to the 15 laps to go, there's about a 25, 30 lap window. He was going to be sitting pretty. Watch that 19 car come forward. So it's, yeah, it, yeah. it was cool to see that. Lots of stuff going on. Phenomenal yeah. race. Another note I wanted to point out after this one, um, uh, Cliff Daniels and Kyle Larson. Boy, I am telling you, they gave Larson a fast car. When yeah. he got spun around on the when he got spun around on lap number five, you're like, how long is he gonna be in the back? Not long at all. Man, yep. they gave him a great race car. Yep. Yep. It was it was a tale of almost two different things. I, I thought the I thought Larson had front run speed. That's exactly what it was. He had short run speed and, and could get out there. I thought the JGR cars, I'll I'll group right. them as manufacturers. Really, the Hendrick cars had shorter run speed, it seemed right. like the JGR cars had longer run speed, right. and that thing going 58 laps to the end played into that. Played into Denny. The he run him back down in the right. last 15 to go. It was fun where, to watch. Where Larson, with all the cautions early, they helped him get yep. forward quicker as far as that goes. The other one I want to talk about is, and, and, and really it's as much a driver as anything like that, but Booty Barker and Bubby, uh, Bubba Wallace, fourth place. Todd, one of the elements that is such a variable that U.S. crew chiefs deal with is driver confidence. And we have heard Bubba express a lack of confidence this mm -hmm. year that to me was a weekend of what the doctor ordered for for psychiatrist booty barker and crew chief booty barker that that was a good weekend for those guys yeah it was and going back to a place that he won last fall uh mm -hmm. but but the race changed a little bit it was 90 degrees and sunny yep. it's hot and slick a solid effort for him uh really in a position where outrun their teammate and yep. and that's a that's a good confidence builder for Bubba. Yeah, I had a kick of Bubba. We did our qualifying show, and I said something about confidence. He said, Tuesday night summer shootout, baby, because he, when he came in, he came in, I was the announcer at summer shootout. He was one of those kids that would just ooze confidence. And when he said that, I was like, okay, he's, he's starting to get his game back a little bit, and that is so important. It really, truly is. We're going to talk to Dale Inman. I do want to ask you to do this. Like, share review, uh, subscribe, do whatever you need to do, whether it's on YouTube or with your podcast provider, uh, spread the word. If you like what you get on crew call, spread the word. And, uh, that helps with all the algorithms that helps with everything. And, uh, cause we'd like to share what we have here with more and more people. Uh, we really enjoy getting a chance to hang out and do it. And we really enjoy when a hall of famer joins us. So stay with us when we come back. Hall of famer, Dale Inman joins us on crew call. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Napa.
Welcome back. It is Crew Call, a very special edition because it's a very special week. Throwback weekend at Darlington Raceway. And uh, let's throw it back to a Hall of Famer, NASCAR Hall of Fame Crew Chief 2012. Dale Inman joins us here on the program. Hello, Dale. How are you? Um, I hope I'm okay. I think I am. I got up this morning and everything seems to work and pretty good. Not as good as it did 50 years ago, <laughs> but I'm I'm doing okay, I think. No doubt. You are doing okay. That is for sure. Dale, um, I don't even know where to begin, but you actually teased us up on something uh, while we were chit-chatting and getting our settings done. I said, we're going to Darlington this weekend. What are some of your early memories, recollections of going to Darlington? Well, you know, uh, I remember, I definitely remember being in the pits in 1951 when Lee Petty was driving. Richard's dad and me and Maurice, Richard's brother, was about the only crew chief, only crew he had, you know, and we wasn't even legal to be in the pits at that time because you had to be 21 year old. So we had to use Lee's old pit passes that was the right color and slip around a little bit. But, uh, it, 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 you know, it was still a hot day. I remember that. And somewhere down the line, we'd got some dry ice where Lee could blow some colder air on his right front tire. And I remember you could take a pair of pliers and hold a nickel and slick on and stick on that dry ice and it'd squeal like unreal, you know. So I remember that. Whether that's a good thing or not, I can't remember tying the shoes this morning, but I can remember that. Of course, I got a lot more memories. and. Uh, I try to keep up. With, I challenge myself to remember stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yet, and you do a really good job. Of it. We'll get into that too. But I want to get back to this piece because I think our fan base doesn't realize. You you talked a little bit about it in '51. They didn't race up on the banking back then. That racetrack wasn't built for that banking to be a racing surface, was it? No, but you know, just talking about it, you know, it was probably the only paved track we had. I mean. They might have been some others, but everything was dirt. And this was back, uh, I, did Darlington open in 50 or 51? I guess 50, didn't it? Yeah, I think it was 50, I think, yeah. Well, see, I don't I don't remember being there with, for that one. But I, but I, they started six, I think, if I'm correct, they started 68 cars, three abreast. <laughs> and they, can you imagine how long that took? You know, 500 miles? No. And... I, well, I, I can't either <laughs> nowadays. I don't know, but it uh, and you know Lee, they wasn't no. I don't know. It was just it was just a different world back then. But I do remember. I remember more about being in the pits than I do about the race. And I don't even remember. I could look in my books and find out who won. But Lee was Lee was out there, and I think he finished. He finished the race. Which which. At that time, that's an accomplishment in itself, right? Uh, let's talk about your history a little bit. I mean, Hall of Fame career, you're the iconic. I mean, you're, you're, you're what the crew chief of NASCAR is, right? Crew chief from 64 to 88. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to steal this one from yeah. Steve. We both had it in our piece. 1967, 27 wins in 48 races, and you won. I, I thought four in a row was like, we were close to getting there. And I thought that was a big account. You won 10 races in a row that season. Talk about that. Just just what that spell was for you. Well, you know, of course, it was a big it was a big season for us. And uh, 
And when I say us, I mean Richard Petty. You understand what I'm saying? It was mm-hmm. all about Richard. But we uh, back then we had we'd build a new car, and then the car from the previous year would be the backup car, and for different places and everything. So we built a new car in '67, and the bodies were strictly the same. Maybe the tail lights were a little bit different, and a little bit different in the grills. Not enough that if you didn't put them side by side, you wouldn't even notice it. So we we wasn't having much luck with the 67 car. So somewhere down the line, we went to the backup 66 Plymouth, which had won, I think, something like 13, maybe 16 races. I don't even know in 66. And um, it just kind of refused to lose, you know what I mean? And, uh, it, you know, and I remember, you know, when it got three or four, five, six summers long hours, I said, boy, this is going to hurt when we do lose a race. You know what I mean? And I, I, I don't think I really repa- prepared myself for that, but, uh, we, Buddy Baker beat, beat us at Charlotte in, in the 400 that year. And, uh, it, uh, it was just, I'm, I'm, you know, there's so many records out there and, and Richard's got, some of them that will never be broken, and no matter how you want to put it, but uh, that's probably the one that stands out the very best. I cannot imagine the feeling of each week going to the racetrack knowing you're that car. What is what is that like as a crew chief? What's that like for the driver? His mindset, the, the guys working on the car. That has got to be the most incredible feeling, walking into that pit gate each and every week, knowing that, man, we've won eight in a row. We've won nine in a row. Everybody is looking at us. What's that like, Dale? Well, you know, back then, um, the cars – resembles what we run on the street more than what they do today, of course, you know what I mean? And the suspension and the, and the, the, the pieces that we had to work with, it was a challenge to get the, get the, the equipment to finish. I think finishing them races, much less winning them was a big accomplishment, but the wheel burns and the greases and the motor oils and, and of course, cheap uh, Maurice preparing the motors. It, it was, uh, and you and you know I'm repeating myself, but I said, Lord, it's gonna hurt when we lose a race, <laughs> and uh, it, of course it came. But uh, I don't know, you, you know, you got to be proud that we made the car stay under Richard for um, ten races in a row, much less uh, win them. And you know, some of them was you know shorter races and everything, but one of them was Martinsville, which is tough to win. And uh, and tough on equipment, and of course Darlington was one of them. And there's nothing no tougher than Darlington back then, and even today, you know. So uh, yeah, '67 was a special season. But he he had a, if you check his record, <laughs> Richard had a bunch of good seasons. There, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there, there definitely are. <laughs> you talk about that. You talk about uh, there's two things in that. Just from my history, you know. I, a crew chief through the started in the 2000s yeah. so um one car and running all 10 of those races with the same car turning that car around every day that's that's uh if if it's just that that 66 car that you were turning around talk about just all the focus that went into all of the work you had to do to make sure you could finish the race and not only that but to turn it around for the following week that's a lot of work to get done 
Well, it was a lot of work, and but you know we had we had good people behind us. We had a a few employees, and and but most of the championships never all Richards win. A lot of the crew was volunteer, you know, and and they enjoyed it just to get a uniform up, especially when we got with STP and all that, and it was just such a different world. But you 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 know I talk about the car winning in '66, the the week. When the 67 was over, and of course, Richard won the championship, the 68 season started probably the following week or even the week after in, in the 67 season. And that that same car won, I think, two races towards the 68 season. So it's just, it was just amazing car, you know what I mean. How do you go ahead building a new car when your seasons overlap that much? Well, the the body style was different, and uh, it was a '68 Plymouth, and it was a, and of course at Darlington this year it'll be the throwback for the '68 Daytona 500. You know that, and it's uh, it's the petty blue with the black top, and uh, <laughs> it'll stand out on the racetrack because the blue is a, you know a standout color. It always has been, you know, but uh, uh, we just didn't have that good a season in 68. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm loving yeah. this conversation. Yeah, this, I, I am. Right, I'm, yeah. I'm really geeked out in it a little bit, but um, so you talk about, you know, you, you've been through the transition, right. Of just making, making sure that you had proper, proper prepared cars to finish the races you talked about. When did you start to see the aerodynamics come into it and start to think about those things? How early on was that? Well, uh, Richard picked up the draft in 1959 in Daytona when he ran the convertible. If you remember, yep. I, I remember that too. And uh, of course, you know, they started the convertibles and the hard tops together down there. And they on the Thursdays races, which was hundred mile races, they run the hard tops, and then they ran the convertibles separate, and then they put them together for the five hundred. And uh, you know, we was kind of geared for ten mile an hour slower than what the hard tops was running. Started to race, and Richard hooked on to a fast car, and just sucked the guts out of his car, so he didn't last long. You know, so that was aerodynamics then that we didn't understand. You know. But uh, I, I don't know. It, aerodynamics probably played into play before we really understood it. We Our technology back then was a stopwatch. And even before radios, you know, we'd done the hand signals and, uh, and used the blackboards and white chalk, you know. And, uh, but I guess in 1969, they started the factory started building race cars uh dodge came with the dodge daytona with the wing and the nose and uh plymouth wasn't gonna do nothing and and i might get this right or wrong i don't know but uh richard said what are you gonna do for the plymouth and they said well you'll be good enough with what you got and um he said no i won't so we when I say we again, it's Richard. He yep. got a pretty good deal with Ford that year, and um, that wasn't a bad year for us. You know, one 
won the first race out and I don't know, we should have had a better year, I guess. But then uh, if I get this story right, about halfway through the season, <laughs> the Plymouth man come to Level Cross and asked Richard, what do I have to do to get you back in a Plymouth? And he said, well, give me a nose and a wing. And uh, that's where the Superbird came on, which was a supercar. We, we still work with it, you know, with a stopwatch and trial and error. And um, we might have got a third of what the car was capable of doing out of it. We only got to run it one year. And they didn't outlaw it. They just um, put a motor in it that wouldn't pull it. <laughs> and that's the way NASCAR operated. And no disrespect to NASCAR. They're still around and strong. But uh, it, w- it was a good year with Superbird, you know. And, and Richard loved the car. Lord, how mercy it was big compared to the cars today, you know. But uh, And uh, it just... Uh, but aerodynamics, it's it uh, that wing was super on that car. Really interesting, really cool. I mean, you you think about it and just where it's been. I want to step a little bit away from the Richards era just for a period of time because there's a couple of things I've got. Yep. A championship run in 1984 with Terry Labonte. I think you had three wins that season. I'd love you to talk about you know getting out of out of Randleman and and then and then the transition back. But in that path, uh. You won a championship with Terry. That puts you eight. One more than one more than uh, Richard, I think. Uh, and and you had a year with Tim Richmond. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about the Tim Richmond days as well. <laughs> well, he, you know, Tim, you know, all the years with Richard, he he knew he knew the car probably as good as any of us, you know, and mm-hmm. and that made it easier. <clears throat> Tim knew absolutely nothing about a car. He knew how to start it. And, change gears and that was about it and uh i used it a lot i said you know richard would do it this way how about it and he said let's do it like richard would do it so he he was competitive you know and and um those were tough years for me you know i I, uh austerlin hired me and uh, i thought it was a good deal and it was you know and then J.D. Stacy bought the team out. I don't even know what happened to Osterlin. And then we had Earnhardt, and he, he didn't like the trend. I'm going to use the word transition you've been using. He didn't like that, so he left. And, you know, we picked up Joe Rutman for a while, and uh, he done okay. And then Tim Richmond, we wound up winning a couple of – one Riverside, I think, to, you know, twice with Tim. And that was big. And uh, – but keeping the, the equipment under him was pretty tough, you know what I mean? Because he run hard, you know, and uh, <laughs> probably didn't understand it as good as Richard did and how to how to take care of it. And then um, Billy Hagan offered me a deal, and uh, we ran with Budweiser the first year in 83 and had a decent year, you know. And uh, <clears throat> But Budweiser was just getting their – feed wet in 83 because they was going with junior with two cars the next year but they went with us just to get their feet wet and uh so when they left we kind of left us i say us billy hagan without a deal and the childers dropped piedmont and picked up wrangler and so it left piedmont a local airline right there in high point or ever you know thomasville area and what a great relation that was, you know, and wound up 
uh, finished in a lot of races. I think won a couple of races and, and uh, winning the championship. And we didn't know we had it won until we got the white flag at Riverside the last race. So there was a lot of tension there, you know what I mean? And uh, the next year, you know, I got acquainted with a lot of the Budweiser people, and they always showed up in suits and high buck, you know, and I got right in the middle of them the next year, and I said, we wasn't good enough for you, was it? But it was all a joke, you know what I mean? (laughs) It is phenomenal. That really, truly is. Um, I can't imagine what it was like working with a young Terry Labonte as well. I mean, we all know Terry now as this stoic, you know, just just consummate professional, as far as you will. What was that like working with Terry? Well, it was it was certainly different then. But if you remember, in eight, the last race in '82 at Riverside, he had a heck of a bad wreck, which Tim won, and he it was late in the race, and Tim come by when. Terry had wrecked, and he said, "Having to get somebody over there quick because that was a bad wreck." And I think it was real close to the end of the race, and um, I th- I think that affected Terry quite a bit. I don't want to offend Terry in any way, but we, I think, once we went back to Riverside, and he might have went through that place. This is just me speaking, and we we got by that place and he didn't get hurt again. I think that kind of turned our season around. And then 83 wasn't good. It wasn't all that bad in compared to today's world. But uh, winning the championship there was, it was really big for me. You know, I remember my wife sitting in the back of the pits and of course I'm standing on my normal stool, you know, watching the race. And when we get the white flag, I call her up close to me. No, we had it one then. And, it was really big, and of course, uh, they held the, the banquet in the in New York City, and that was big too. And of course, Piedmont flew all of us up there, and that and I think I got pictures. I think there's about fifty, fifty or sixty of us counting the crew and the volunteers and the wives and everything, and that that really stood out. Really cool, really cool. I want to hit back to where one of the things, and I'm just that that period in that era is really cool. You come back to you come back to Richard Petty Motorsports and 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 got back in that you guys you know continued that 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 relationship. Obviously, you and Richard are related, and you're at the racetrack. Like it seems like every week. How many races will you and Richard go to this year? Uh, I don't know. You know, we uh, we of course went to Daytona, and I, I missed a I missed about three in a row, which Richard went to, but. My wife was having a little problem, which turned out to be good. They just was taking extra care on checking her out and everything. And I stayed with her in case something negative did come up, but everything turned out good. And of course, I was in Kansas this week and he wasn't there with uh, his own Kyle's. He just hadn't returned from Kyle's motorcycle ride. And uh, But we're planning on driving to Darlington together uh, this Sunday morning, and I think he'll really be busy, and maybe I can stay somewhere where it's kind of cool and everything. But uh, uh, you know, it. But while I'm at Kansas, I, they say, "Where's your partner? Or where's your cousin?" I said, "Well, he's cousin sometimes, you know, not all the time, and because uh, <laughs> I don't want to claim him all the time." When, <laughs> but uh, it, and I think when I wasn't going, it, they was asking him where I was at. So it's just been a relation that. Uh, and when people ask me how long we've been together, I tell them 85 years and I'm not, I'm not jiving, you know, his, his mother and my mother were first cousins. 
and we're we're born here in Level Cross, about three quarters of a mile apart. And I'm I'm sure we were together before we recognized each other, you know, as kids and and, and diapers. And it uh, today's world certainly different from what it was eighty five years ago. Definitely was. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back on a little bit of a, a little tidbit because I, I think it pulls back in. I was at Coda with Jimmy. <laughs> And you're at the racetrack with me, and I remember the conversation. You started talking about, you know, how limited these new cars were with counter steer, and and wondering how that was going to affect Bristol Dirt Race. And and I'll I'll be honest, you were farther ahead in that thought process than I was. And and I, I'm half I'm I'm not half your age, but I'm 30 years closer to being a crew chief than you. How do you maintain your connection and how, I mean, you're, you're current on what's going on with these cars. How do you maintain that? Well, uh, you know, I talk, the, the uh, you know, I appreciate the Mike Beam letting me hang out with them. <clears throat> and I appreciate the crew talking to me and, and respecting me and everything. And I ask a lot of questions and uh, they answer them, but I'm not sure I understand all of them. But when I see the, Cars don't turn very sharp. I know that's kind of negative. But if you if you watch the race Sunday, that when uh, the eleven car got into the five car, now that five car done a great job not spinning out. Mm-hmm. He turned the wheels. He reacted what the car was going to do with the wheels before it really acted. And I thought that was I thought that was really a highlight reel. If if you just watch the wheels, but. Uh, and you know it, these cars are so sensitive; it's unreal. I mean, you talk about a cloud cover picking up a tenth, and a tenth in today's world is is just unheard of. I want to I want to play off from that a little bit. When we talk to veteran crew chiefs, retired crew chiefs, we always ask the question, "What's different?" Okay, I, I want to turn that one upside down. Are there similar things? What are some of the similarities that, 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 that Todd working with Jimmy and those guys are working on now that you guys dealt with? What are some of the similarities with getting these cars to go around the racetrack? How about you helping me with that? I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just not, there's just nothing the same. You know what right. I mean? Just, <clears throat> it's, just a, it's just a technology race now. And, and, but everything is technology, you know. Uh, you know, I, I I still use a flip phone. They laugh at me about it. Chad Canals just makes all kind of fun of it. But you know, I can call home and talk to Mary, and that's that's about <laughs> all I need to do. Richard don't even carry a phone. But when I want to know something, the weather and all that, I say, look in the magic box. That's what I call the new phones, and they can bring the weather up and just about tell you within a minute when it's going to rain and stuff like that. And it. Uh, uh, <laughs> If I had to do the technology that I do today, I just couldn't do it because my education wouldn't carry it, you know. And uh, but I admire them for it, Lord have mercy. But I'm not sure they wanted to do some of the stuff that we done back in the day to make it work. You know, I could tell you some stories that that me and Richard done, and uh, and you know, for instance, we we went to Bristol one one Sunday somewhere in the. Sixties and uh, qualified in practice and got on a little plane and flew to Mossport, Canada, and run a USAC race in Bill Ellis's Plymouth, and come back and run <laughs> Bristol on Sunday. You know, and I asked Richard, you know, two or three weeks ago, I said, "Why do we do that?" He said, "I don't know. I guess somebody told us to." You know, so 
and they just so many stories and and you know we had the drag race a while in 65 and that was certainly a challenge you know and when they finally let the plymouth come back with the hemi and the belvedere body um we had some i say we again it's richard we had um some uh, drag races always scheduled. We had to carry them out, like running Bristol, then flying to Nashville two night, Friday night and Saturday night, and running, and come back and running the race. So when I tell these stories, they find it hard to believe, but it's true. No doubt about it. You know what? I want to ask you, and you, you, you actually talked about you and Chad Canals cutting up with you with your flip phone. Um, in your back in the day, you know, guys like Leonard Wood, Harry Hyde, Bud Moore, Waddell Wilson, what was your relationship like with those fellow crew chiefs as you were racing against them back, back in the day? Well, we, we was all friendly together, Bud Moore, you know, if you, if you knew Bud Moore, you had to love Bud Moore, you know, he'd he'd chew on his tongue, you know, when he talked to you, when he, and I thought I could get onto an inspector till I seen but more get on one, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm not sure that Harry Hyde and Dale Inman and Bud Moore and uh, just, I, I don't want to leave nobody out. I don't know how we'd get along with that Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure. I am sure. Yeah. Yeah. Chewing on officials and chewing on a Hawkeye machine are a little bit different. That's for sure. <laughs> You know, you could argue, you could argue way through some of the thing, but you ain't got no argument against that Hawkeye. <laughs> that is awesome. That is really, really cool, Dale. As I look at, as as I look at the uh, schedule coming up, we're going to Darlington this weekend. We're going to North Wilkesboro next weekend, and we're going to Charlotte. My gosh, this has an old school feel to it. What we got coming up? A lot has changed, but we've got three races uh, that that have been around at tracks forever and ever. Yeah, you know, and uh, I was in I was in service when they opened Charlotte, yeah. and uh, I was in France, and uh, that track had some of the history of Talladega. It probably wasn't ready to run, you know, and race home because the track came apart, and and I wasn't there, but these pictures of. They made racks on, on and connect them to the hood and put screen wire up in front of the windshields and they made them run mud flaps and it 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 was it was it was bad and then of course Richard and I think Richard and Lee both were disqualified because they spun out across the blow tires and spun out across the uh, trial section you know and run the whole race then got disqualified but I think I think there was three races there I think uh, maybe Bobby Johns run fifth or sixth somewhere in in one of the Plymouths. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating history. I just love where we're at with it. Love getting the chance to uh, catch up with you, Dale. Can't wait to see that uh, number 43 Petty Blue car down at Darlington this weekend. And uh, uh, look forward to catching up with you guys down the road as well. But uh, thanks for joining us here on Crew Call. Always appreciate the conversations. Well, you know, it's been my pleasure. And I I hope we got through with this without hurting anybody's feelings. But you know, uh, Travis Carter, Harry Hyde, Bud Moore, Leonard Wood. I don't want to leave nobody out, but you know, Harry Hyde was a competitor. What a competitor he was. And he, he would tell me, and uh, he wouldn't tell Richard this because he, he was, he, 
he just he said that damn skeleton beat us again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but he respected Richard. I mean, anybody that you know, and I've been to the races a lot. I don't believe I've ever heard Richard booed. I'm sure he's been booed, but it yeah. didn't overcome the cheers, you know. And uh, and I told Roger Penske one day. I said, we was at Martinville, and I said, I said, I, I know, I'm sure Earnhardt's glad that you uh, brought. Rusty today, and he said, "Why?" I said, "Well, but he'll get some of the booze and take them away from Earnhardt." So that—that's the history of NASCAR. I hope I didn't run over on my time. No. I've enjoyed talking to you. We uh, we loved it. That's for sure, Dale. Continued uh, continued best wishes, and we'll talk to you down the road. Be safe. There we go. 2012 NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Inman joining us here on Crew Call. Stay with us more in just a moment. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to Crew Call. Todd Gordon and Steve Post here. And uh, boy, I'm telling you what, getting a chance to talk with uh, Dale Inman. Um, we did that interview. It was probably 25, 30 minutes. It, it could have been two hours. Oh, uh, been, yeah. I mean, it could have been two hours. Um, what a what an amazing man! Yeah, yeah, he just just amazing man. And where he is currency wise, I've always seen him in the garage, but now being around the Legacy Group for for the limited number of races yeah. with Jimmy, but um, you know he's he's in the shop. You see him in the shop. They yeah. come through. He and Richard are through usually one day a week and asking questions and just going through things. It's he's still connected. And, and like I talked about, he brought up things that I hadn't thought about with when he was car, looking yeah. forward. It's like you're still connected. As he said, 85 years old, and, and he ties his sport, the sport back to 1951. What's that, 74 years? Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. It really is. And I think the other thing, connected not only with the cars and stuff, but socially in the garage area. You know when he walks up to shake your hand, you better take a breath. Yep. Because he's got a bear of a handshake. Yes, he does. And boy, I'm telling you what, if he ever grabs, your tra- he ever grabs yeah. that trap muscle, you're getting ready to, you're getting ready to go to your knees. And uh, and uh, he gets a kick, and and you'll see crew guys. You'll see the biggest crew guy come out of the truck, and they'll be mouthing off with him. And the next thing you know, he'll grab a hold of him, and that poor guy is just uh, on the ground. He's just, and that's the other thing. It's the socially interacting with everybody. Um, you know, he just he just is a wonderful man. He really is, and and, and, and humble, and humble. As you, no as you heard through this, he talks about Richard, 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 Richard but. Yeah, takes no, no one man successful. No, takes two, so. that's for sure. So great, great stuff. And that leads us into Darlington this weekend. And I just, I just, I love where Darlington sits because I think Darlington gives us outstanding races. It tests the man, the mm-hmm. machine and everything. I love that we do throwback in the spring and I love that we kick off the playoffs in the fall. Yep. To me, that's the proper respect for Darlington because the, 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 the lady in black, the, the the track, track too, too tough, tough to, to tame. tame that track that that track merits respect and it and, and what's what's incredible to me and I worried about this into what was it 2008 we repaved this place yeah and thought oh my goodness we took an iconic racetrack 
It wasn't 2011. We were right back to where we were. That place, I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. And, and can you imagine, Dale talked about it there. Can you imagine 68 cars starting there? Heck, we can't get 36 of them through that racetrack. Right, exactly. And not running up on the banking and oh running down goodness. around the apron. I yeah, mean, I, I'm telling you, it is just fascinating stuff. It really, truly is. Darlington, I mean, I just, I love Darlington. I, I just, do too. I just enjoy the trips down there. I love it. I really, truly do. And it's going to be fun. And, and no idea, no idea who we're going to be watching at the front of the field, which is a great part about where we're at with NASCAR. Yeah. The, the weekend we came off of was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Had, had speed in different places. It's going to be interesting to see where it all plays out. But uh, love the place because you don't just race the cars, you race a racetrack. You know, up against the wall right there. We talk about the Darlington Stripe. Guys are going to, guys are going to earn it. This body's more resilient. It allows you to run a little tighter there. Three and four, you can run the top, you can run the bottom. Yeah, That, that paved area off of two, how you run that grip strip right, that there, grip strip. it's, it's, it's going to be a great weekend. Gonna be like a yeah, it, may have, that, it may have aged itself out yeah, now. What that grip strip's going to be like a year later. Stay tuned. It is going to be great. Motor Racing Network's going to be there all weekend long. Friday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. It's the Buckle Up South Carolina 200 for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Saturday morning, 10.30 in the morning. Going to get up in the morning and go qualifying. Practice and qualifying, that is, for the Cup Series. 1 o'clock Eastern time, the Shriners Children's 200 for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And then Sunday, 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 Sunday afternoon, the Goodyear 400 for the NASCAR Cup Series. Motor Racing Network's airtime is 2 p.m. It is going to be great. Can't wait. Going to be fun. Fun weekend yeah. at Darlington. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 one that you've got to get to. <laughs> Darlington, phenomenal you race. To you got to get to it. That's for sure. So we really truly appreciate uh, Dale Edmund spending time with us, and and actually all the people that <clears throat> he talked about his technology. He talked about his technology and his flip phone. Uh, there were there were a few people that got everything set up with a Zoom call, and it was flawless. And yeah. we appreciate everybody in the in the pipeline on our end and on their end as well, getting us because we really wanted to have that conversation. So we really appreciate Dale Edmund for joining us, but more important than all of that, thank you for joining us here this time on Crew Call.